0: Well, we want to continue today in, uh, in the, the doctor's gospel. Uh, the great, the beloved physician, Luke, and I've entitled the message, The World's Greatest Picnic. <laughs> the World's Greatest Picnic. Uh, Reichen made somewhat of a reference to it. You know that today many thirst uh, for real satisfaction in our world. <clears throat> and uh, if, uh, if you've been quenched by... Uh, your relationship to Christ. don't have to think back too long ago when there was a deep hunger and a thirsting in your heart and soul for that which deeply satisfies. There's a longing and a yearning and a thirsting. You know, thirsting is uh, your strongest bodily appetite. You know, think of your appetites. We could go, you know, 30, 40 days without eating another thing. Some of us are... Pretty far ahead of the game, so we already, you, you know, uh, uh, in that um, uh, sexually, you say there's an appetite for that, and you could you could go forever at this point, never never involve with that. But thirsting, that's another thing. You can't go uh, really a day or two without water. Your body will self poison the way God made us. In the quenching, that thirst drive, i got to have a drink of something. Iced tea, or if you like me, uh, I like Turkey Hill. Uh, Green diet tea, I drink that stuff too much. Uh, but uh, boy, it's good stuff. Um, thirsting, thirsting. What a great and apropos description of uh, what God has put in the hearts of men and women. Thirsting, craving. and uh, And today people... Th- thirst for real satisfaction they they chase after all sorts of things do they not they do they chase after all sorts of things that promise deep fulfillment and they all lie they 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 provide perhaps maybe a momentary high you know you, it's like Hershey park at the top of the roller coaster There it is but then it comes crashing down right sort of like that And you don't have to think back too long ago about that in your own life. Uh, A lot of things like, what, a mountain of money? Oh, if I just get a mountain of money, a deeply satisfying... You're kidding yourself. You make the wealthiest people most happy. Have you ever really taken a look at real wealthy people? Most of us don't ever see them. They're as grouchy and unhappy as most of them. Forget the Mount Everest of money. Forget that. Forget it. Then you have to worry about how do I keep it. They're going to steal it. Can't sleep at night. Worry about it. Be careful about that. Uh, be car- Unbridled sex. Just let it all hang out all the time. Just do what you want. That'll just make me happy. He- no, it won't. You end up with all sorts of diseases, and your life will be snuffed out. Did you, did you read the Proverbs today? I read Proverbs 5 very early this morning. Uh, you know, the... Uh, The foreign woman, she leads to death. Be careful about that. Unbridled sex, no way. How about fame, if I just get my name in lights? Oh, there's a scary thought. (laughs) Right? Forget that. That's momentary. How about drugs? Some people try that. How about things? Just cram it full of things. Stuff, more stuff. Remember our study in Ecclesiastes? More and more stuff. Stuff, stuff. Somebody said the reason we have houses is to store our stuff while we go out and get more stuff. Not bad. Stuff never does it. Does it? Have you? You've learned that, right? Have you? Right. Be careful about that. Drag it home, play with it for a week, and you're bored to tears. You got to get more stuff. Got to get bigger stuff. Got to get more expensive. So be careful. That will never satisfy. It's like uh, round pegs. In square holes and never fit. God did not make you for that. Now we need stuff. I'm glad for it. I like gadgets, right? In its place, be careful about that. It never promised that deep satisfaction. Never, never delivers. The reason is God has made uh, uh, you were made for God. Do you know that? You were made for God. You were. And uh, your soul will never be satisfied, it'll be restless without Him. It's kind of like that song, remember? Looking for love in all the wrong places? Sort of like that in a different venue. Looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. When I was a kid, there was uh, those forty-five. Some of you, 45s, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of you remember. <laughs> you know, the one hit wonders and the 45, and what in the world's on the other side? Never heard that thing, you know. Uh, remember, I, I get no satisfaction. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried. Roger, we ought to have you sing that. You probably know all the words on that, right? I was never a Rolling Stones fan. Oh, you weren't? No, Mick Jagger and all that. And, well, that's sort of, you can just sort of write that over, all the stuff and all the things that this world promises. Get no satisfaction. And I tried. That was hit number one for two years in a row. They are showing my age on that. Remember that? Yeah, some of you remember that, right? So I said, what's he talking about? Hold on, you'll grow up. <laughs> well, uh, Jesus is, uh, is reached now. You should know and take your Bible. Look at uh, Luke uh, Luke's Gospel, the Doctor's Gospel, ch- chapter nine. Jesus reached now the zenith, the very top of his public ministry in Galilee, uh, and uh, he's uh, just about ready. To turn in the latter months of his ministry to his disciples. It's he really, going to be private. He's going to really pour himself into these, uh, into the 12. And in Luke chapter 9, and it all pivots, if you kind of circle it, at verse 51, because right at that point he begins to face Jerusalem and he's making that last journey uh, to, uh, to the cross and to his ascension. Uh, To his death is what he's doing, and he's finishing now this great Galilean. But before he finishes, he's going to have his greatest single public miracle. Now, he's healed thousands of people, but pretty well one by one by one, right? He's walked on the water, we saw that. Uh, He's calmed the sea, but it was a small gathering, it was in a boat, it was the disciples, uh, and and so on. uh, At the wedding at Cana, Galilee, he he turned the, the, the water and the wine. It was a small gathering there in Canaan. You should know one time it was a joy. As I think about it, we were in Canaan, and there was a couple, and they actually reset their vows right there at the traditional site uh, of the wedding of the Lord there in Canaan. That was, uh, that was special. It really was. This, mir- this, this story that we're going to look at today, and, uh, and it's a real story. It's not fictitious. This is, uh, this is the doctor. He's a man of science, People ridicule this as if oh it really didn't happen. Let's allegorize it. Let's get the real meaning here. Well, if that's the case and it never happened, I'll throw my Bible in the trash and I'll never come back to church and I'll never write another check, that's for sure. Fool me once. I don't I don't do that. Let's sort of get find the spiritual meaning here, cause you you know no. Be careful the german higher critics in 1800 said well you know we know there're no such thing as miracles and so they approached the text the biblical text saying well we have to demythologize and take all this stuff out and find a kernel of spiritual truth and then you look around germany today and england it's infected and other places canada even and you wonder like how come, how come no one no one's in church you know people aren't stupid they figure that out right if there's no miracle, if there's no God in flesh, if there's no that, then I'll stay home and uh, you know sleep in and, and have my bagel and cream cheese on Sunday morning, and and so on and so forth or Saturday night, right? No, the doctor writes it's real history, and you should know this is and this is a key. It's like the Lord saying, don't miss this, don't miss it. It's the only miracle of Jesus that appears in all four Gospels. Now that's in itself is huge. Now, the only other thing that occurs in all four of the Gospels is the resurrection. But this is a, a deliberate, purposeful miracle of Jesus, and it's huge. It's huge, and the lessons are incredible here, and we don't certainly don't want to miss it. Uh, it's the zenith of his ministry, over 20,000 people, if we can trust John MacArthur, he says, At least 25,000 people are rushing to be with Jesus. Now, can you imagine the press of the crowd? Some of you uh, deal with uh, numbers in back rooms, and you go like, I like people, just keep them away from me. You know, and and so you're sort of by yourself. But some of you deal with people, and there's uh, something about people uh, that will just suck the energy right out of you. Uh, it. Uh, I get tired. I get tired. There's a some kind of tiredness you get in dealing with people and their issues and their problems and their needs and all that kind of thing. And uh, and some of you don't know. Some of you do know that in your work you deal with that. Jesus has now thousands of people, and it's like suck the oxygen right out of the room. And uh, and they're following him. They're rushing him. They're all that you can imagine. The excitement that's going on, the ministry of the two-by-two that went out into all of Galilee, preaching the gospel, and uh, and so on. Well, again, Jesus, he's teaching uh, the thousands the kingdom of God, that's the gospel. We talked about that last week, what that is. And then he heals all the sick. Notice Luke says, all the sick. You ever go to the doctor and he goes like, "Mm, I think I'll send you to a specialist. I'm going to refer you. I never find in the gospel Jesus referring anyone to another doctor. I think I'll send you the Mayo Clinic. How about Johns Hopkins? You know, this is, uh, I, need to, uh, I need to get a second opinion. Never happened. Uh, he's God made flesh. He made us. And that, that ought to encourage you right there. It encourages encourages me in these. Well, it's, it's getting late in the day. People are hungry. What are they going to do? Uh, Hence we call it uh, the greatest picnic uh, in the history of the world, if you will. The greatest picnic ever. What are we going to do? People are hungry, and so Jesus is going to use this glorious occasion. Can I say it? He orchestrated all these events to bring about a great lesson that his disciples needed and that we need today as we carry on. He uses the occasion to do his greatest public miracle. He's going to feed all of these people with one boy's lunch. Can I say it here? Probably the greatest miracle is not feeding all these people with one boy's lunch. Is the, ver- the greatest miracle to me is, is that he got the boy's lunch to begin with. <laughs> Have you ever seen a hungry boy at lunchtime? <laughs> Give me that brown bag. I don't think so. Right? I've been there. My boys are ravenously hungry. I don't think we found the full mark yet, even in them. Slow down, there's more in their fridge. <laughs> but uh, it is a rather amazing uh, story. Uh, and in this, Jesus both tests and he teaches the disciples to always look for him, to him. Always. Well, there are seven lessons, and uh, each one of these is a sermon. I promise you, I won't preach seven sermons today. But this is, this is rich. This is like creme de la creme. This is, uh, this is the pure milk and meat of the Word, and I, I love this so much. I wrote down more than seven, but I promised uh, myself and the Lord that we would only visit each one, and I'll allow you to study each one of these uh, as we just kind of hit the tops as we look at this account in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 10 to 17. Well, there's seven lessons for us as we watch Jesus satisfy the hunger of men, men and women and children. Wow. Thousands. How would you imagine? How would you plan? How would you plan to feed 20,000 people if, if there are 20,000, if there may have been more? How would you do that? Right? Some of you ladies, you go like, uh, you worry, you say, when am I going to feed my gang for dinner? Right? You're like wow, you know, like <laughs> how you going to do that? I grew up with seven; uh, there were seven kids in our family, and and uh, that was quite an ordeal. Every night we ate in the dining room, the kitchen. No way we could fit in there, and uh, it was always a big thing. My mother's whipping up this and whipping up that, and all the thing. How to do that? Wow, faithy does that so well. Wow, some of you do it well, right? How about I've worked with? I talked about weddings before. I've seen couples work on how are we going to feed the fifty guests that come to the reception. How about the hundred? Sometimes there are two. I think the biggest wedding I was ever part had four or five hundred. How are we going to feed them? It's like a major thing, right? We got to get a caterer. We got to get uh, this all the, all the, all the things, the decorations, and all. How are we going to do this? Now imagine feeding twenty, twenty-five thousand. Of unexpected guests with leftovers. They come ringing your doorbell. And you're like, eh, what are you going to do? I mean, that's a big problem. He's like, this is impossible. That's right. That's the idea. Let's look at the text. And in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17, uh, we discover this. And on their return, Remember, uh, just, uh, just to say, they were out two by two. Remember, Jesus had sent them out into Galilee to preach the gospel, to heal the people and to preach the gospel. On the return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. And Jesus took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowns learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them. And he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to Jesus, Send the crowds away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provision, for we are here in a desolate place. But Jesus said to them, You, you give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were 5,000 men. That's not counting women and children. And Jesus said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Well, there there are a myriad of lessons here in this glorious account that God wants to make sure that we embrace and chew on and it changes our life. These are life-changing lessons. They really are. But we're only going to just touch on seven of them as we watch Jesus satisfy the deepest hunger of the hearts of men and women. And I trust your heart has been satisfied uh, with Jesus. Notice the first lesson. Be encouraged, I say, number one. For Jesus never turned away anyone who came to him. His door is always open. Always. Someday it'll be closed. The door will be closed. But today it's open. It was open then. It's open for all to come. So I say be encouraged. He never turned away any. Jesus and the twelve were absolutely exhausted in their ministry. I mean, it was like a blitzkrieg as the two went out into all the villages and surrounding towns of Galilee. And uh, they cared for the people. It was the authority and the power of Jesus that he gave to them. And uh, they preached the gospel. And what a story created as he healed through them and cared for the needs of people. And we saw the compassion of God. And so then they come back, and the Lord knows how exhausted they are from that, people tired. And he says, let's go to Bethsaida and we'll get a little R&R. We see that in other places when they're weary from the work. At another time, they went up to Caesarea Philippi, way up north to get away, kind of a retreat. It's good to get away on a retreat and recharge the, the batteries. Can't keep the pedal to the metal all the time. You'll burn out. We hear a lot about that today, don't we? And so they went there for that purpose. Let's get some rest. Well, they didn't get any rest, did they? They were interrupted. They were probably hungry, too. That is the twelve, and uh, and so on. Well, the crowds, they found him there. They crossed the sea. There he is. He's in Bethsaida. Hey, Jesus is here. Can you see, see the crowds coming? They're just from all over. The, and, and what's he do? He welcomes them. Don't miss that in the text. The Lord Jesus, in the midst of this, and plans interrupted, welcomes people. There's the sick father, the granddad. There's the mother with the little ones. There's the foreigner, the orphans. There's the uh, the down and out, the outcasts, the poor people. Right? He welcomes them. Come unto me, all the you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He welcomes them. And the text says, and we saw that in, in verses 10 and 11, he he what? He, he, he taught them. Nobody ever taught as Jesus. Maybe you've had a great teacher. I've had some great professors, and I stand on their shoulders. My books today are my great teachers. I'm thankful for them as the Spirit of God teaches me as I study the Word, that I can fill the cup so that I can pour it out and share that with you and others. Right? He's a great teacher, and so he teaches again the gospel Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. He welcomes them, and then he heals them all. Wow. I noticed he didn't put out a sign like uh, like we might have done. No miracles today, go home. Right? Closed. We're closed. How about that? Some of you understand that. You know Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday? Closed. Go eat more chicken somewhere else. Right? That's what the cow says. Close. No, he didn't say that. No miracles. They didn't say that. Go home. It's a picture, I, I remind you, of, of God's great love for men and women. The fact that we can approach him all the time, 24-7. Just not, hey, what are business hours? Are you open on weekends? God always hears us. He's always there. Don't miss that. It's a glorious part of this truth. Wow. God loves us. By nature, uh, we don't love Him, do we? We're enemies of the cross by nature. Ephesians chapter two. We're selfish, utterly so. Someone said the essence of sin is self. Not bad. Not bad. Me, myself, and I. You know, I don't want God. Hemingway said that, right? I don't. I don't believe in God because I love my sin. That's that's why people. They'd stomp up and down and, 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 and deny with the breath that God gives, with the mouth he formed and the lungs, and, and, and say there's no God. Oh please. You know do you know you have a hundred trillion cells in your body? <laughs> did I say trillions? A hundred trillion cells in your body. I can't even count that high. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow. God loves us. What compassion. He welcomes us, and He still does. The door is open. Some of you need to hear that today. There's a second lesson. I promised we would just move across the top. Be careful. Never look at life's many problems with eyes that only see human resources. Be careful. Be careful about that. Don't act as though you're men and women without God. We do that. Problems come up. Some of you are in a problem right now. said, What am I going to do? What am I going to, and we think, what, what resources do I have? What can I do to fix it? What can I do to help? Do not think only earthly. Take that to the Lord. God may have brought that in your life as he did in the disciples here to teach you. He's great. He's always there. And don't you love it? I One, one of the things I love about the Lord is, it's as though we think of, well, i got three options in this problem, maybe one, two, or three, right? <laughs> God has infinite, and he delights in, in solving our problems in a way that we little imagined. We ought to take it to him, take it to Jesus. Take it to him, right? And yeah, Be careful now. Look at verses 12 and 13. Now, let's just reread that. And now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to Jesus, Send the crowd away. Now, underline it because it's very unusual. Uh, send the crowd away. It's an imperative. The disciples, I mean, it's odd, really. The disciples command Jesus to send the crowds away. Now, that's, it seems like it's blasphemous, almost. I mean, it's just. Jesus, send them away. I mean, it's that kind of oomph. Wow. I don't want to be found guilty of commanding God to do anything. Send them away so they can eat and find lodging. Well, you have to say to their credit, uh, they did see the problem. A lot of people don't see any problem. You know, See no evil, they don't see anything. It's everywhere you look, broken hearts and, and tears and loss and suffering. I don't see anything. Oh, Lord, open my eyes. Let me look under the field. They're white on the harvest. Oh, we need to pray for laborers for the harvest. To their credit, they saw the problem, and they had a heart that could be touched. You know, Lord, give me a tender heart. I told you before, one of the reasons uh, that faith and I will give to poor folks that ask it, I think they're poor anyway, uh, we go down to Baltimore, Chicago, or so. I take. I always take a little extra money, and I give it to them. You know, I don't know if they're going to use it for drugs or what. And if we're near a, a place, we'll buy them a hot dog or something like that. I give it not no, so much for them, but for me. I don't want my heart to be hard. I can. I can have such a hard heart, and just go. And so I give it as an opportunity to keep my heart tender. That's what. I, that's why I do that. I don't know how you handle those kind of things. Give, give them a dollar and maybe they'll use it to buy a meal. Uh, may, maybe not. Well, they, they had concern. They were not. Uh, most folks are too self-centered to see the needs of others. But they saw it. But their solution was only earthly. You notice that? As such, they only had a few options at hand. Only a few. Uh, Lord, send them into town. You know, send them there. Go, go. They they need to go to uh, to Wagmans or Corn's or somewhere, Giant Market. Wife, get some food. Send them through the drive-through at Wendy's. You know, and uh, into the field. The word in the other times in the field. Go to the the uh, agros, the field uh, the, where they could glean some of the grain that was left over. You know, that God provided that way. Uh, they were thinking that option or. You know, like, no, you go, well, it's going to take uh, uh, 200 uh, days of wages. They won't even feed them all. So they're thinking only humanly. And uh, what do we have? Well, we have a boy's lunch. Only humanly here, see? And when the problems come up in life, we need to think yes, what resources do we have? We need to take inventory and stock of that. But don't stop there. You know, as we give that to the Lord and say, God, I don't have much here. Uh, You do what you want with this thing. Show your might, your power, and I need thee, Lord. And uh, and they didn't do that, did they? They had eyes that only saw the here and now and only the physical stuff in front of them. I say, Lord, don't let me be like that. You know, let me, even in the midst of that, when I say I got A, B, and C, Lord, I lay that all at your feet, I realize that, you may just want to amaze me with what you're doing, and God has done that in my life. At points, I'm just like, "Wow!" Right? Have you ever had a Red Sea crossing? You're standing there like, "Now what are we? We're we're dead meat." You got a million and a half Israelites. You got the greatest army in the world chasing us. Red Sea in front of us. We're cooked. We're cooked. And uh, and God directs Moses and. He does something very unusual there, right? Parts the Red Sea. Wouldn't you like to have been there, walk through that? Even the the muck was hard, you know? I stuck my finger like going down the aquarium. Hey, there's a fish. You know, the water stood in a heap, the text says. Wow, God did that. He did that, see? Wow. And so resist that. Be careful about that. How soon they had forgotten, right? How soon they had forgotten in their recent internship that God provided all their need. Go out, don't take anything with you. I'll provide for you. And now they come back and they forgot. Spiritual amnesia. Have you ever been afflicted with that? All of us have. God does such great blessings. We learn such great joys. We sing the song. And now it's uh, Tuesday or Wednesday and we go like, He has left us to ourselves. We're in trouble. Don't we think that way? Don't we, God, help us and deliver us on that? To live on a whole different plane. That's what he wants, uh, and so on. Uh, And so that's our problem. The 12 only looked down on the difficulties they should have looked up and seen the infinite options of the Lord. Well, third lesson, be aware, be aware in verse 13a that without Jesus, we can't do very much. 13a. But Jesus said to them, you, and you should know the text here, this is a command statement. Jesus turns it around, and it's intensive. It's like saying, you, you, it's like saying it twice, you, you give them something to eat. And they're like, wow, I don't even have a candy bar in my pocket, you know? (laughs) like, right, I'm going to give them something to eat. We don't have a chuck wagon anywhere. I mean, what, how, what, what, what? You see, by now, the 12 should have learned to expect the unexpected from Jesus, right? They're like, they're looking, look at them, see, I can see them looking kind of befuddled and dumbfounded one to the other. Wow, Jesus commands the 12 to feed the hungry cow. He he commands them to do the impossible. I remind you, this was their final exam for the internship, it was, they went out. It was successful. Wow. They came back. The exam, they failed. They flunked. Big F. <laughs> Here we go. They failed. Wow. They still needed more to learn, didn't they? Miserably. I got news for you. Failure's a great teacher, isn't it? I've learned more through my failures than I have through my successes. Wow. And, you know, sometimes you fail in the same course twice. You ever do that? Stick my hand in the fire, not going to do that again. Ah, I knew that. Why did I do that again, right? Failure, pain, the tuition is high. You know, it stays with us a long time. They failed here. They failed to look to the Lord for his provision, that God would provide their every, every single need. Wow, it's, failure can be a great teacher. Maybe you're in the midst of failure. Maybe you just failed. Just uh, say, Lord, what are the lessons you have for me here? You know, I'm sure you have plenty of them. Let me write them down. Let me put it on a placard, put it right in front of me so I can keep seeing it uh, all the time, that I get that down so I don't have to do summer school and remedial again and again and again. Wow. Well, reflecting upon what they had just learned, they should have taken the knee directly to Jesus. That's the right answer. You, you feed them. Okay, Lord, we're coming to you. What do you want us to do? Ah, very good, A+. plus. Only then is it possible to do the impossible. So they still needed summer school, for they had not yet learned to trust Jesus for all their needs. This is a crucial lesson. I wonder, have you learned, to tr- have you learned this lesson? Have you learned to trust Jesus for all your needs? He's waiting for you, looking for you. I hope that you're learning that. I hope that you've learned that and that you never get over that. He's the bread of life. He is life. He is. Take it to Jesus. Casting your every care upon him, for he cares for you. The crucial lesson of life Especially in this work I have on your sheet given to us of awakening the sin-hardened souls of men with the gospel that's you know that's impossible we 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 pass among dead men and women they're dead they're dead, they're living but dead they are God says, "Go win them." Follow me and become a fisher of men, disciple to make disciples, and we speak to them. It's like speaking to the dead, going down to Meyer's funeral home. Going to go in there and wake the dead. It's that bad, really. Yes, it's good go and carry the gospel for, the bread of the And we speak to that. How do we do that? It is only through the Spirit of God. It's only through the work of God as he opens the hearts of men and women. When Jesus said, look, greater miracles you're going to do than all these things, that doesn't mean we're going to you know, call down the stars and everything else. You know what it meant? It meant that as, as you depend upon me and you take the word of the gospel and you speak it, there are going to be dead men and women, boys and girls, that come to newness of life. It's the story of Lazarus, spiritually. And we can't do it if he doesn't do it through us. Forget it. You know, will stay home. That's what he's talking about. It's impossible without him. We must constantly be looking unto Jesus. I love Ann Kimmel's little book uh, she wrote years ago. I love the word impossible. Because I know when I get into those impossible moments of life, and as I cast that need upon Jesus, he must come through. Or it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love that. And so I love the word impossible. This was an impossible situation. And uh, so be aware, without Jesus, you can't do very much. You can't. You're puny, small, and frail, and so am I. Number four, quick, be thrilled. Be thrilled. Little becomes much or more than enough in the hands of Jesus. And then verse 13, 13b, I love this. And they said, well, we have no more than five in their barley loaves, John tells us, and two fish, and the fish was like a garnish. So, you like sardines? You get, who gets anchovies on their pizza, anybody? Oh, you do, one, two, yeah. They say they're good for your heart, Even You like that? It was like a garnish. they take the fish and they'd, they'd spread it over uh, the little loaves, they're not, don't think of big loaves, like French bread or something. Little, little barley loaves in the boys' lunch, and they'd spread it over, and it was like, a, it was like the McDonald's fish sandwich, if you will, right? Sort of, sort of like that. And uh, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, that's not very much, unless we, we are to go and buy food for all these people. Well, little becomes much uh, when Jesus is in it. They didn't have much available. Wow. What is totally insufficient, like us, like us, becomes more than enough in the hand of the Master. Wow. Becomes super abundant. Did you see how many scraps were left over? That's amazing. That truly is amazing. And Jesus, I remind you, didn't even need this boy's lunch to feed them. Didn't even need it. It's a great object lesson, though, and we remember it. Remember, he fed for 40 years people every day, manna, manna, on the exact day, and it began on the exact day, and it ended on the exact day. Wow, only God could do that. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's a God who provides. Bread means life. I am the bread of life. And God takes that which is Little like us and little in our things in our life and he makes it more than enough and God feeds every one of them. In the Bible, you notice, and some of you know your Bible better than others, that God seems to delight in taking that which is very small and insignificant and insufficient, small, outnumbered, weak, and making it more than enough. Remember a boy with a slingshot? With a giant of a Goliath? More than enough when it's in God's hand. Do you remember that? you remember a shepherd with a rod at the burning bush? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I have a lisp. I speak slowly. Moses, he says, Moshe. You hear that today? That's the word in Hebrew. Moshe, what's that in your hand? Oh, it's a rod. Throw it down. He takes that which is small and ordinary and common and goes to the greatest nation in the world and delivers his people. Let my people go. God delights in that. We see that all through Scripture. And here's a boy's lunch. How about Gideon's 300? And we go on and on and on, and God delights in taking that which is small and making it more than... Why does he do that? Because if it's great, we may end up thinking, well, we did it, right? But when God does it, then we go like... Wow, if God doesn't come through, we're in deep trouble. That's a great way to live, you know, incidentally. And he gets all the glory. Well, be thrilled. Little becomes much. Number five, be amazed. Be absolutely amazed in 14 to 16. As Jesus creates from nothing, he creates from nothing food to feed the dear people. Jesus made new matter. That'll mess up you who took Physics. Matter's never created nor destroyed. It only changes. Uh, Go back and read your Bible again. Okay? That's not quite right. Here's brand new matter. You know, he's going to feed them now with bread uh, that never grew in a field. Never. Barley. Barley never grew. He's going to feed them. They're going to be satisfied. He's going to feed them with fish that never swam in the Sea of Galilee. how do he do that? He's God. He's great. <laughs> Don't demythologize. Don't change it. Don't do a little hermeneutical tap dance. We've got to really understand here what he really did. It. It's fun to read some of the old writers, Calvin and Augustine. And, and Augustine thought, okay, well, the bread multiplied in the very hands of the disciples. He gave it to them, and it multiplied. Uh, Calvin doesn't agree with that. Calvin thinks it multiplied right in the hands of the Lord Jesus as he kept breaking it. And it's, uh, it's an imperative, in the old, uh, as it says as the Lord breaking it, it shows the duration. As he kept breaking it more and more and more and more and more, uh, it just kept coming. And he produced bread and fish from nothing, from nothing. Well, not quite, from the boy's lunch. But out of nothing, he created new matter. Wow, it's amazing. This is a wonderful picture. I remind you of creation. It is. God is almighty, omnipotent. And God spoke the word, and the heavens and the earth came into being. Wow. Mm. Be encouraged by that. It is the power of God, and it's truly amazing. And I say to you, be absolutely amazed. They were so amazed, the apostles, and under God's direction, all four of the gospel accounts, as I said earlier, include this. And even a man of science, Dr. Luke, said, I couldn't. It's just overwhelming. Wow. And that's the wow of the Lord Jesus, the one who provides our every need that we're to see here. Be amazed. Wow. Well, number six, be involved. Verse 16b, Jesus uses us as he used the disciples to pass out the bread of life. You and I are to take the bread of life to others. They're seated in fifties and hundreds here, right? And he he uses them and breaks the bread, and he has the disciples serve the people their lunch. Wow! After he had prayed, he had him sit down. He gives thanks for the food, and I'm reminded. So should you do that. You know, I learned that at an early age. We always prayed that way. My my father was not saved for those years, but uh, he always sat there at dinner, and uh, my mother would ask somebody to say grace around the table. A lot of times, she'd ask me to say grace and thank the Lord for the food at dinner time. And uh, my mother instructed me. She said, now, when you go to school, you know, you should always, always thank God for what he has provided for you to eat. And in a public setting or at school, just bow your head and just a silent prayer to yourself. Say, thank you, Lord, for this food. You should always do that because there's a deep ingratitude in your heart. You need a constant reminder that everything comes from him. And we see the pattern. Here's the Lord, Right? The disciples are looking down. They're only looking at human things. The Lord looks up, and he gives thanks for what the Father, God the Father would provide, and we ought to do that. That was a great test in later years in high school, sitting with all these rough and tumble wrestlers and football players, and before I dove into my two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, cookies, and an ice cream sandwich or two, and chocolate milk, which is about what I ate every day, I would bow my head and and pray silently, and thank the Lord for my food. You know, there's the pattern. If Jesus did it, so should you. Come on, get a little starch there and give thanks. Don't just scratch your head. Ah, he always scratches his head there before he eats. No, just no, don't don't get up and preach. They probably it's not the setting but just thank the Lord for that you need to do that, the Lord did that and so should we and, he, and, and as he holds the bread and fish in his hands he distributes and the food is multiplied and they are all filled contrary to I don't get no satisfaction they were deeply satisfied with what the Lord had provided wow, he fed them, again I tell you he fed them wow and helping them to pass out this bread of life, Jesus could have merely fed them all at once. You know that? He could have just said, "You're awful. Oh, thank you. Whoa, that feels good. <laughs> Who said there's no free hot lunch, right? But he didn't. Yeah, it's the same with the gospel, right? The God could just come down and and just visit and save us. Hey, you're you know, believe on the. Okay, I'll do that. But he has a plan that includes us, and we have the privilege of partnering with the Lord in in distributing the bread of life who is Jesus. And the salvation that he alone offers, that he alone provides the deepest satisfaction. Wow. Today he wants to use us to carry his gospel to those who are hungry. What a privilege. Are you taking the bread of life to others? Is there somebody that you're praying for every day? Somebody said, there ought to be five people that you're working with in discipleship and there ought to be five people that you're attempting to pray for and see one to Christ. You know, if you know Christ, somebody brought the bread of life to you. Maybe it was a dad or mom a grandmother, maybe a Sunday school teacher, youth worker. Maybe it was a pastor. You know, don't let it end with you. Don't let it end there. We're We're servants. You like good waiters at restaurants? They Just smile, be nice, and bring what we order, right? Show up occasionally, right? Serve, you like that kind of? That's what we are. We're serving from the the main kitchen, the bread of life, the Lord Jesus. And that's what what the, the lesson there is. And finally, the last lesson is number seven. Be satisfied. Not only be involved, but be satisfied. Jesus alone is the bread of life. He alone. It's not all this other stuff. It's not all these other experiences. Not any and all that. Some of those are okay in their place, but they're way down here. He alone is uh, one who provides the deep satisfaction of our heart. Have you learned that? All ate, the text says. Verse 17. All. All of them. Even the teenage boys. They ate. And they were satisfied. Wow, that's amazing. Well, lessons for our life. Shall we look at what are some things that we can walk away? Have you eaten of the bread of life? Have you you truly done that? Have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The door is open, the welcome is out. Come today, He'll welcome you. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, forgive me. I receive you as my Lord and as my God. Come to him. If I can help you in that, that's why I'm here. What a privilege. You know the expression, make my day? That would make my day. What Number two. Number two, second one. Have you learned, really learned, that life's deepest satisfaction comes only from Jesus? Have you learned that? We saw that. I mentioned about uh, Friday being uh, at the uh, death store with a dear woman that we dearly love. You know? It was Jesus. Dear, dear kids, they were singing hymns of the Lord Jesus. Shepherd, you know, Savior like a shepherd lead us. The glory of that. It's not all the stuff. Have you, have you really learned that? Ask the Lord to teach you that if you've not, and to remind you constantly of it. Number three. We must learn to depend upon Jesus for every provision, for he will provide He's Jehovah-Jireh. Look to me, he says, little is much when I'm in it. And we're little, last time I checked. And it doesn't matter what test, what problem, what issue, what problem, what challenges in life, and we all have them in our own regard, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. We need to depend on, and one of the best way you do that is to seek Him early every day, Bend, get on your knees and, and pray for His help and guidance that He'll be glorified in your life, and cover your loved ones, your pastor, and your church in prayer. Do that. We're totally dependent upon number four. Will you carry the bread of life to someone? Will you? Will you do that? I trust that you do. I hope that that bothers you if you don't. It, uh, you have a circle of, of people around you and your life, and so do I. And it's just not for me to do it from the front, but uh, faith and I take that seriously, and and we pray about people in our life, and we say, Lord, who is it you put near us that that uh, only we could share the love of Christ to? And we pray for them, and and we work. It's W O R K. We work to that end. We're we're excitingly waiting for the day when. New birth happens, and we can begin to pour in them the Scriptures. And number five and last, have you learned that all we really need is Jesus? That really is the bottom lesson here. Uh, They failed. Don't you fail. All they needed was Jesus. They all ate, and they were satisfied. Oh, my. Praise the Lord. He's the bread of life. Wow. The greatest picnic in world history. Wow. Let's stand and be dismissed with the word of prayer. May God bless you and give you a wonderful week to serve Him. Lord, thank you.